0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Happy Father's Day to all you dads. Took me a long time to find this shirt, but I found it. Got it for me. Do you like it? Actually, my daughter gave it to me. So, we're going to explore that today. We are in the book of Jonah. And Jonah's story of the prophet who was running away from God, which you just heard the band sing. was that a great song? Yeah, back to where I began. Yes, that's where we need to get. I want to talk to you this morning about the power of a turning point. Virtually every successful person I've ever met or known in my life points to one or two or no more than a half a dozen days in their life Where those were turning points. Major points of discovery, major decisions that became life-changing from that point on. Jonah had one of those. It was in the belly of the fish. We're going to talk about what he learned there. We're going to talk about how we can apply that in our lives so that we can experience that same kind of turning point. For those of you who are new this morning, let me uh, introduce myself. My name is Ron. I'm one of the pastors in the church here, and I'll be speaking to us for about the next 30 minutes out of God's Word. And so I want to encourage you, um, open your heart, allow God to speak into your life. We've provided a couple of things to help you do that. So if you'll take your programs, and uh, out of your programs, if you, I want you to pull two things. I want you to pull this long, skinny card, and then... There's a half sheet of notes that says turning point at the top. You will need both. Uh, the first thing that I'd like to ask you to do is on the part that says start here, the very bottom, if all of us would put our names and email addresses, it gives me as a pastor and us as a church the opportunity to connect with you. And here's why I want to connect with you. Because one of the things that God has called me to do as a pastor and us to do as a church, is to help you get connected to God. And in order for me to take your hand and put it in His figuratively, I have to be able to get a hold of your hand. I have to be able to connect with you. So if you would trust me with just your name and your email address, then uh, that will enable me to get started in that process. I won't force you to do anything you don't want to do, and I certainly won't twist your arm. That's not what God has called me to do, and that's not the kind of guy I am, and that's not the kind of church that this is. But I I want us and myself to be able to do everything we can to get you connected to God in a healthy way. So if you'll do that, set it aside. We'll come back to that later. And then take your notes and get ready to learn. We're going to work our way through that. And uh, last week we talked about Jonah chapter 1, and in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah is running away from God, and we learned four things out of that. We learned that the same God who spoke to Jonah will also speak to us, and I want to tell you that hasn't changed in a week, all right? And so the same God, if you were here last week, who spoke to you and gave you a message about what he, the change he wanted to make in your life last week, guess what? He's back again, and he's saying, that was great progress. Now, let's work on this week, okay? Secondly, we learned that if you want to go in the wrong direction, you don't have to look far to find a ship going in the wrong direction. There are always people who encourage you to do what's wrong. Jonah didn't have to look far. But if you decide to run from God, we also learned that God may send a storm after you. Not to punish you, and not because he's angry at you, and not to put a curse on your life, but God will send a storm to get your attention, because until you're willing to pay attention to him, we're going to learn a little bit, you can't experience a turning point. And of course, we learned the bigger the storm, I mean, the bigger the disobedience, the bigger the storm, right? Yeah. We also learned that when God has a message for us, there's usually a challenge in it, right? Right? Something we don't want to do, not because he likes to ask us to do things that we don't want to do, but because we're already doing the things we want to do. Where we struggle is in the areas where we don't want to do. And then last of all, great promise. The same God who prepares our storm also prepares our what? Our fish. And the fish is our opportunity to start again. Or as we learned in that song, back to where we began. That's where the fish spits us out. So now this morning, I want to, talk to you about, I want to talk to you about an interesting thing that I didn't know. As I sat down to do the research for this message, I didn't realize that right inside the story of Jonah, there is the story of a father and a son. I knew about Jonah. I knew about the fish. I knew about the people of Nineveh. I never realized there was a, father story, a father-son story in this little book. So this morning, we're going to mine that story and draw it out and learn from it. But I want to start by reading you a passage, a short verse from the teachings of Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 2, if you want to jot it down in your margin somewhere, Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. And he said, and here's what I want you to get. I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins... And become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Become like little children. When I read that verse, I was reminded of a story of my own father. And I know right away, I just want to say right up front, that I know that there are many in our audience this morning, you don't have memories like this. Because your dad wasn't like this. And I just want to say to you, can you use your imagination for just a few minutes? Because you have a father who's like this. Not your earthly father. But you have a heavenly father who's like this. And you're going to get to live with him forever. But I can remember when I was a kid. And I would be walking beside my dad, just a little tyke. And I was walking beside my dad and I would sense danger. Maybe we were going down into the basement of our house because a fuse was blown and there was no electricity. And if you've ever been in a basement when there's no electricity, it's dark and damp and there's all sorts of critters who are waiting to jump on you, right? You're sure of it. I can remember As, as, as I would walk beside my dad, I would reach up and he would feel my hand on the side of his leg and he would simply put out one finger. And I would reach up and grab that finger. I'm good. Yeah. Why was I good? Instantly, the critters left. Yeah, it was all good because I had the hand of my father. Now, can I tell you when I was 16, I didn't do that. Okay? Which is why, no offense to any 16-year-olds here, but it's why Jesus didn't take a 16-year-old and put a 16-year-old in the middle of the disciples and say, be like this. Okay? Now, there are other ways in which he would want us to be like a 16-year-old. But when it comes to the concept of trust, there's nothing like a child, a little child, to trust in his father or her father. Today we're going to see how Jonah learned to trust the father he was running from. That's the whole point. Because Jonah was wrestling with a real question. And I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of us here who wrestle with this question. Because when it comes to our picture of God, in many cases we haven't been given the right picture. And more than anything else, in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah is wrestling with the question, Is God my boss or my father? Now if you grew up in church, you're ready to raise your hand and go. I know the answer, Pastor. He's both. Thank you. But that doesn't answer the question. Because the question that Jonah is really wrestling with is not, is God my boss or my father, but which is he most to me? And when push comes to shove, how will he respond to me? I want you to hear this clearly. You and I all know there's a fundamental difference between a boss and a father. A boss makes decisions that are best for the company, correct? And a father makes decisions that are best for the child. I want you to wrestle with that just a minute. So is God primarily your boss? Is He going to primarily make decisions that are best for His kingdom, but not necessarily best for you? Or when push comes to shove, will God make decisions that are best for you, even if they're a little costly for the kingdom? I don't have time to go into it this morning, but I can tell you that for the vast majority of my life, I had the wrong answer to that question. And it shaped a lot of things about my life that actually weren't healthy. But once I came to understand that God was primarily my father and secondarily my boss, and that when push came to shove, he would never ask me to do something that was bad for me but good for the church. That's really interesting. If you had interviewed Jonah last week when he was running away from God... And you could get way down inside Jonah's heart. I know what you would find. He would say, God is my boss. He's asking me to do something that's good for him, but bad for me. You know why it was bad for him? His life was in danger. He's thinking, I'm going to some really evil dudes, and what's my message? 40 days, you're all going to hell. How's that for a message? I'm, I'm glad that that's not the one God gives me to give to the city of Petaluma. Yeah. Think about going to the most evil place you can imagine and that's your, that's your job. Not only that, Jonah's an Israelite and he's a prophet to the nation of Israel and he's going to Israel's chief enemy and he's now going to be a prophet to them. Do you know what all the local prophets in Israel are going to say about him when he heads off to Nineveh? Oh, God's got a message for Nineveh from me, and I'm supposed to go up there. So you guys can stay here and be an Israelite. I'm going up to the Assyrians. I'm going to talk to them for a while. He would have been thrown out of the pastor union right there. Yeah, when we get to chapter 3 and 4, we'll learn some other reasons why he didn't want to go. But if you could have gotten to the middle of Jonah's heart, he would have said, God has given me assignment, an assignment that's good for him, but bad for me. But he's the boss. But I'm not going. The beginning of Jonah chapter 2, we see the turnaround. Take a look. I'm going to read it to us. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, from his God, from inside the fish, and he said, I cried out to the Lord, would would you circle the word cried? I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me, I called to you, to the Lord, would you circle the word called? I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. I'm going to give you a couple of other things to circle because we're going to come back to them. Okay. Circle the words great trouble. And then circle the phrase land of the dead. We'll come back to all those. You threw me into the depths of the ocean and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, then is a very important word. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple." I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. My earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Look what happens. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Wow. We're going to learn several things from that, but the first and foremost, and sort of the main point this morning is number one. And then points number two, three, and four, we will cover quickly toward the end because they they just come straight out of it. Number one, Jonah decided to see God as his father. And you can sort of write at the end of it, not his boss. You know how I know that? This is the father-son story that's contained in this book. When I was seven years of age, I was living in the state of Iowa, and we had record snowfalls in 1958. We had a hundred and some inches of snow that fell right where I lived in Iowa, and it didn't melt, I think, for 128 days. So we had snow on top of snow on top of snow. I lived out in the country. My family and I lived out in the country, and we had we lived on an acre, and there was a big gully, and there was a big drift that came up over the gully, and the sun would come out in the day, and it would sort of melt the top of the drift a little bit, but but at, at night it would get cold and it would freeze and it formed a crust on top of the snow drift. And it was getting to be such a problem because farmers were losing their cattle because the cattle were walking on the crust over the snow drifts in the neighboring farms. It was a real problem. I had fun with it, however, because when you can walk on top of a snow drift, that's way cool. So one day I was in my backyard, and I walked up on top of a snowdrift, and I looked down there, and I realized that the snow that was in the shade underneath there was nice and soft. And so, like any seven-year-old kid, one, two, three, jump. And I did. Everything went perfect. I sunk in that snow bank down there up to my chest, and then I couldn't get out. Because it was a wet, heavy snow. And the more I struggled, the deeper I got. And I was going under. And when I would wiggle and try to get my legs out, it would just take me deeper. And I was up to my chin. And I was petrified. You know what I did? Two things. You saw it in the verse. Two things every kid does when you're in over your head you cry. And you call, right? You cry because you're scared to death. And who do you call for? Whichever parent's around, right? Whichever one's closer. And in the middle of your crying, you're you're calling and crying all at the same time. Jonah is in the belly of the fish. And up until this point, he's considered God his boss. And I tell you, there's a couple of things you don't do with your boss. And that's cry and call your boss's name when you're in trouble. Am I right about that? <laughs> yeah. Because it's the most unnatural thing for employees to do, but it's the most natural thing for children to do. And it was in that moment that Jonah experienced a turning point in his life. And he took God officially off of the boss position. And he recognized that God was first and foremost his dad. And he cried and he called out. And guess what his dad did? He heard. Just like my dad. When I cried and I called out and I screamed, my dad came running out of the house. And, and he looked in my eyes and he saw Fear. And I'll never forget, he reached down, he put one hand under each shoulder, and he said, son, just relax. I got it. He pulled me out, hugged me, I hugged him, and once again, everything's cool. Major turning point in Jonah's life, in mine. That's why that passage has the word then. Then then i remembered when i cried and i called out i remembered so central concept i want you to know this this is sort of a central point but it's got a little side thing to it as well here it is turning points happen only after we do what come to the end of ourselves Can I illustrate that a couple of ways before we move on? Some of you really struggle with your children and you want help with your children. And what you really want is a little good advice. But you haven't come to the end of yourself yet. And what you want is God to come along and give you a little additional advice. Sort of like divine self-help. You know what God wants? He says, why don't you take the way you parent and recognize it's not working and let go of it. And then turn your parenting over to me and let me show you a whole new way to parent and I'll make you over as a parent. By the way, if you've ever tried to struggle with an addiction... You don't need just a little help. You have to get to the end of yourself. Every 12-step program that I know, regardless of what subject it's dealing with, starts with these first three points. Take a look at them. We're going to put them up here on the board. Number one, we admitted we were, what's the, first, the next word that's underlined? Powerless. Over our addiction. That our lives had become unmanageable. Here's step number two. Take a look. We came to believe that a power, what? Greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And number three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives, what, over to the care of God as we understood Him. Can I tell you, in everything you struggle with in life, go through at least those three steps. Because anything other than that, you're just doing it on your own. And you don't need to come to church to do it on your own. You can do that anywhere. What you come to church for is to find out how you can turn your will over to the power of God who's certainly greater than you are. So that is the first thing that Jonah learned. That was the major turning point in his life because the next chapter of his life, listen, in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah is running away from God. In Jonah chapter 2, because he thinks God's his boss. In Jonah chapter 2, when he realizes that God is his Father, where does he run? To God. All the difference in the world. Can I say, if you've been away from God for a while... It's more than likely because you have viewed him as your boss. you like, Jonah, you're running away. Because you're not sure that you can trust him. But once you decide that God is actually your father, and I'm so glad that Justin talked to us this morning about the concept of being adopted by God. Once you decide that God wants to be your father, first and foremost, then it's the most natural thing in the world for you to run to him, And I'm praying that this morning will be the morning you run to Him. Now, my question for all of us is, can we set aside our pride to the point that we can say there's some area in my life over which I currently tend to seem powerless, and it's unmanageable in creating chaos, doesn't have to be a great big thing in your life, just an area, and you're willing to say this morning, I will cry out to God this week for a turning point in that area. When you give you just a couple of minutes, and then we'll move on to the latter part of the message. Father, for my friends here this morning, would you help them to be real with you, honest with you, open with you, open with themselves even. For me, that I would be honest and open and real. So that in every area, any area of our lives, that we would come to the end of ourself this morning and realize it and be okay with that. And then turn it over to you and cry out to you for a turning point this week. And then listen to the message you would give to us about how we can obey you now and how we can experience victory and joy in walking with you as we learn to take you by the hand because you're our father and not to run away because you're our boss. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll take that Connect card, that long skinny card that we had, Take a look on the back side. There's a place right there where it says apply today's teaching by right in the middle. And if God spoke to you about an area of your life, I want to partner with you in prayer about it. I don't have to know the area. I can just pray for you. God knows the area. He's the one who gave you the message, remember? All right? But I want to pray with you and our prayer team wants to pray with you. Now let's talk about, if you'll check that box a little bit later, we'll pass baskets and you can turn those And put them in the baskets, and they'll get the message to me and also to the pastoral and prayer team. I want to talk to you about three natural outcomes once we decide that God is our Father. And we'll move through these quickly, but not because they're unimportant. I'm going to move through them quickly because they're actually pretty natural once we decide that God's our Father. And you can see it in Jonah's life. Take a look at number two. He embraced his father's discipline. Once you decide that God's your dad, and he's got your best interest in mind, you know if he disciplines or trains you or puts you through a training process, he's doing so for your good, and in the end, it will really benefit you. You just embrace that. Notice what Jonah said, you threw me into the ocean depths. By the way, did Jonah know who actually threw him in? I'm pretty sure he did, but he recognized, though it was the other sailors who threw him in, who was really behind all that. He was God. And he recognized that until God threw him into the ocean, the fish could never get him. Got it? And it was the fish who would carry him to dry land again and give him a second chance. And he recognized he needed to yield, submit to, and embrace his father's discipline. Once in a while, I run into people who are just mad at God. I don't understand why God has to pick on me all the time. Well, I'm glad you feel comfortable to say that to me. But God's not picking on you. The problem is, because you don't trust Him as a father, you think He's picking on you. Because you're acting very much like a two-year-old who wants his or her own way, and you're pouting because you can't have 75 candy bars this morning. Yeah. Second thing, he not only embraced his father's discipline, he trusted his father's promise. He says... I remember the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your temple. Jonah remembered that when the temple was dedicated that God gave a promise that any of his children who would turn toward that temple and pray toward it, that he would hear them as their father and he would answer their prayer. And I have no idea how Jonah knew in the belly of the whale which direction the temple was. I'm thinking he guessed in faith. What do you think? Can I tell you this? It's natural for children to believe their dad. Isn't it? Even kids whose dads lie to them, somehow the next time dad opens his mouth and makes a promise, they count on it. Well, Guess what? When you and I decide that God's our father, when he makes a promise, we're just good with it. It's gonna happen. Dad said it would. Gotta happen. And Jonah knew. Once he knew that God was his dad, he knew if he prayed, God would hear. And number four, he yielded to his father's will. Once you know God's on your side, right? once you know that what He's doing is not to punish you and run you away, but it's to go capture you and draw you in through training and discipline, and once you know God makes a promise, then you remember the old TV show back in the late 50s and early 60s, Father Knows. What's the next word? Yeah. Jonah got it. Dad knows best. And if Dad says go to Nineveh, I'm on the way. He yielded to his Father's will. That's my prayer for all of us. That we would start with that basic understanding. That would be a major turning point. That we would begin to see God as our loving Heavenly Father. And once we do, we'll come to the end of ourselves and begin to trust Him. And then we will embrace His discipline. We'll believe His promises. We'll yield to His will. And now we're on board. I want to give us a couple of other ways we can apply this before I turn it over to Kevin. On the back of your, um, that same Connect card, there's several more ways that you and I can, there, I just call them additional commitments in my own mind. By the way, a reminder here, when do we launch our Sunday evening service? What day? July 8th. July 8th. When do we launch our Sunday evening service? When do we launch our Sunday evening service? I think you got it now. When do we do a preview of that service? Next Sunday Sunday night, June 24th. All right. Now, in launching our Sunday evening service, this is something God's going to do through us. And we've got people that are beginning to step forward, and that's very encouraging and it's fun. But I want to give all of you the opportunity to do three things. Number one, God's going to speak to some of you. It's why next Sunday we want all of you to come to your Sunday morning church service, just like you normally do, and then we want you to turn around and come back at 5 o'clock Sunday night. Oh, two church services in one Sunday. You are so blessed. <laughs> Got it? It's gonna be, this is going to be fun. We're going to have one fun time all Sunday. What we talk about Sunday night, totally different than what we're, we're going to talk about that Sunday morning. Okay? But here's the reason why we want you to come. Because when you come on Sunday night, number one, you're going to see the service that I believe God's going to motivate many of you to invite a family, friend, or neighbor to. And we want you to know what you're inviting them to. Number two, some of you are going to come to that service next Sunday evening, and while you're here, God's going to say to you, make this your service on a regular basis, not me. God's going to say that to you. But if you're not here, they'll have a little tougher time getting that message through to you. Okay, And then number three, while you're here next Sunday night, God's going to say to some of you, I want you to continue to go on Sunday morning, but I want you to serve one Sunday night a month in a particular area in the church. That's how you're going to serve. But Again, you have a hard time getting that message through to you until you come. So, there are three ways. Number one, if God's spoken to you already that the Sunday evening service is going to be your service, you can check that on the card. If you would be willing to serve once a month, that's six times during the rest of the year only, if you'd be willing to serve once a month on Sunday evening as a part of that service in, th- in one of three areas, either kid's life, which is five and under, the zone, which is elementary age, basically six to 11, or in guest services, which needs no explanation, let me give you a chance to do that. Let me say a short prayer with you. Father, would you move among our people right now, your people, and would you supply and prepare all that's needed for the Sunday evening service to be a dynamic service that reaches a whole segment of people who don't currently have a place to go to get connected with you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.